Welcome to In Context and Culture, a podcast hosted by pastors Corey Majors and Trent Roseman, intended to clarify and comment on critical issues pertaining to theology, the Bible, and life in the church. Now, enjoy the podcast. Hello, this is Corey Majors, and I'm here with my friend Trent Roseman, fellow pastor, and and, uh, we are here with the second episode of In Context and Culture. Pow, pow, pow. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, he's shooting at me. And so... uh, we're going to start out today, uh, again, last time, uh, Trent, we introduced ourselves and you threw me under the bus because uh, you started talking about your wife and child, and I didn't, so that instantly made me a bad husband and father. <laughs> and so I just, want to, <laughs> I just want to start by saying that, hey, I, do, I am married, been married 26 years, uh, 26 and a half, actually, it'll be 27 in June, oh, man. and um, Sherry and I, I have four kids, the youngest of which is Evan, um, and it is his birthday today. And so he is 15. Uh, we got Cademan, who is about two inches taller than I am, and he's just a house of a boy, and um, <laughs> hopefully going to play college football one day. Um, but uh, anyway, he's 16. Uh, Rachel just got married. She is no longer a majors, and that's depressing to me. But um, at any rate, uh, she is 20. Or 21, I don't know. Anyway, one of those two. And then our oldest is Grady, and he is 24. And so, uh, anyway, that's my kids. I hope I got their ages right. That's terrible. But, you know, once they reach a certain age, I guess, you know, you're not throwing big parties anymore. Yeah, so. well, I think for, for me, if I get my son's, my one son's age wrong, that's probably when it's bad, <laughs> being that he's that two. That is true. <laughs> yeah. Because you got like you've got uh, one and a half, right? I guess they're actually two old people, uh, but like what <laughs> one in the womb? Yes, uh, yes. So Judah two and Cadence uh, uh, four and a half months, I think. So my math might be wrong there a little bit, but yeah, Cadence Joanne, Katie Joe on the way. Excited for a girl. I I, I don't really know what I'm doing. Judah was the first time uh, with Judah was the first time I actually changed a diaper. Uh, so I had to learn that, and I've changed uh, my quite a quite a few since. But yeah, yeah, dude, uh, girls are a whole different animal, and uh, they're really really fun though. Like you get to buy cute little stuff for them, and whenever they turn thirteen, um, they a demon enters them or something. <laughs> not really, not really. My daughter's really really sweet, but um, whenever she was a teenager, there was definitely some ups and downs in the hormone department and so i better not say any more about that yeah well well, so where i'm at right now is like judah is a total total mama's boy like just loves mom and like he'll wrestle with me in a ways that he won't wrestle with mom but like i'm pretty stern with him my wife is probably not as stern um and that's okay that's i think it's, it's a good balance i think when we have a girl it'll be the exact opposite where my wife will be very stern and like the girl will just have me wrapped around her finger. So, um, that'll be interesting, you know, and I think it'll be harder, uh, just being a guy to, to, to relate to her in ways that I can relate to my son. And so it's, it's interesting how that'll play out. I mean, of course, I don't know what I'm talking about yet, but, uh, I'm excited for it for sure. Uh, that is definitely the way it it works itself out. I don't understand it all either, but, uh, it does (laughs) seem to work that way. All right. So last week, 
I know you're, you're wanting to ask me a few questions, but I'm going to start with this because okay. last week I mentioned uh, a story from youth ministry. And I told you after the podcast that I'm going to have different stories that I'm going to share about student ministry uh, because, I mean, I'm, I'm getting to talk to my former youth pastor right now. Um, and uh, one time you put me and Landon again, one of my friends, uh, in what we were, I think we were either juniors or seniors, in a position to give the announcements and play games with the students at the very beginning of the service. And um, we did this like month where we did like girls versus guys with our games. As we're giving the announcements, we're doing games. And I don't know if you remember this, but uh, we a lot of times didn't think through the games very well, um, but we played them up like they were awesome. One game that we came up with about two hours before service was that we were going to get two two liters of Coca-Cola and uh, two trash bags, lay the trash bags on both sides of the stage. And the stage is about, what, four and a half, four feet high. Um, So it's a high stage, people sitting below it, and we decided that we would get a kind of a um, uh, socially aware dainty girl on one side and a socially less aware guy who just like was just going to go to town, whatever game we gave him. Uh, his name was Andrew. Yeah, you remember the story yet? Is this, oh, is this yeah. ringing any bells? Okay. Oh, yeah. so, so we put a three-minute countdown on the clock and basically told them, hey, you're going to lay on your back and chug the two-liter and get as much down as you can in three minutes. <laughs> so, uh, so Alex is just like the girl. is just barely drinking any of this Coke and setting it aside like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then Andrew, uh, on the opposite end, uh, is just squeezing the two-liter down his throat. And he's just going. He's, like, bubbling up as he's going. And we're like, dude, you already won. You know, three minutes are almost up. You can stop now. Dude's not listening to anybody. He's just chugging the thing because he wants to show he can do it. Meanwhile, um, the three minutes, like, come to a close. He, like, almost finishes, if not finishes, the two-liter, turns to his right where the people are who are sitting off stage and just vomits, just throws up. No, dude, he didn't do that out there. It was in the bathroom. No, he threw up out there because I remember having to like, like, like clean it up out there, out there. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, he made most of it to the bathroom, but he threw up on the side. Oh, he did. Oh, I remember. <laughs> are it. you sure? I am positive. I am positive. I really thought for sure that he, uh. I mean, yeah, it might have been like the bathroom. <laughs> it might have been. Like I do less, remember that I, I looked like at you too and, and said, uh, "I looked at you too and said, you are cleaning that up.' There's no way I'm cleaning that up." <laughs> well, here's what happened after that. Landon looked at me like, "You're cleaning that up," because Landon didn't clean up squat. So I ended up cleaning uh, the vast majority, <laughs> if not all of that. Um, it was disgusting. Yeah, and it might have been like more spit, spit up, and stuff, just from like re gurgling or whatever the, the soda outside. And but yeah, the, the majority of the throat was definitely on the bathroom floor. You could have not have picked two polar opposite people, <laughs> two more polar opposite people to do that, that than well, him and Alex. Well, that was the strategy, right? The guys have to to win the game. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, good times, good times. You said you had uh, some questions for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just got a few uh, ridiculous questions I want to ask you. Okay. Um, one is, um, what well-known conspiracy theory do you think has the most merit? Which one could you get on board with? Oh, man. Um, you should have prepared me for this. You know, our <laughs> prep was, was uh, not telling each other we were going to ask these questions. Um, what well-known conspiracy? Not the flat earth theory. Uh, not the uh, space uh, theory about us not going to the moon. 
Really? See, I think that one's pretty uh, legit. I don't know, but, man. I yeah. I mean, I, that's closer to me than other things. What what do you have one in mind? I feel like you asked this question, so you already have one in mind. I I don't. I mean, I think I would have said the moon theory just because you know the whole thing about the atmosphere, no atmosphere on the moon, and you had the flag standing straight out. So, like, I'm not saying we didn't land on the moon because I think we probably did. I'm just wondering if like the pictures we see are not the real deal. So um, I, I watched like a U. Okay, so this might be a terrible YouTube video that's like already been disproved. But I watched a YouTube video where a guy was talking about how they had the technology at the time to get to the moon, whether they went there or not, but not the technology to um, to do the amount of green screening and stuff that they had to do to show the video of being on the moon. Now, I don't know if that's even close to true, but it was a videographer that talked about that. And, like, it might just be a hoax, and I might be totally crazy for even mentioning it right now. But You know, the uh, I got to go to space camp with, uh, with Cademan whenever he was in the, I don't know what grade he was in, fifth grade maybe. And um, they told us that, there, there's more technology in a handheld calculator today than there was that was put in the space <laughs> shuttle whenever they landed on the moon. Dude. Like, that's crazy. Dude, if you're, if you're the guy that got to the moon with that technology and you have a calculator at home, you got to just be like staring at your calculator all day like, <laughs> this is nuts. <laughs> and your iPhone just blew your mind. You're just like... like what? Yeah, and you're like, I trusted people to send me there yeah. with less than this. Like, that's nuts. Right. So, uh, conspiracy theory. Okay, I, I had time to think about it now. Um, I, I do not really chase much conspiracy theories. I, I really don't. Like, I'm the opposite of that, uh, this personality-wise. But I, if I had to pick one, like, if you're talking about, like, Bigfoot or any of those, like, the Bible doesn't say that they don't exist. And, I mean... To consider the fact that there are all these animals in the ocean that, like, we are just now discovering, and we haven't really probably reached the bottom bottom of parts of the ocean. Like, I'm sure there's animals out there in certain regions that we don't often visit that we don't know of. And if one looked like Bigfoot, I would not be surprised. All right. So, let's go on the Squatch. There you go. All right. Well, you know, uh, whenever my kids were younger, I used to watch iCarly with them, and they had this whole uh, <laughs> promotion on there one time. I and uh, Bigfoot, True or Real, that was the name of his book. And so it was pretty ridiculous. But we so should not, probably get So not true or false? <laughs> no, true uh, or real. Okay. Like, there's only one option. <laughs> so, so before we actually get into the, the thing, what's a movie you've seen lately that you've really liked? Oh, gosh. You know, I actually went to a movie yesterday afternoon. Um, um, it, uh, we went and saw uh, 1917. Yeah, 1917. Almost okay, um, I really want to see that movie. Was it good? It was really good. The way they shot the movie was so cool. It was like a continuous shot. Like, they, they didn't take any breaks in it. And so, like, you're just following this guy on his whole journey. And I'm not going to give away the movie, but just the way they filmed it was really cool. But I left... And like every muscle in my body was tensed up because we're just sitting there and you're just thinking it, something's going to happen at any moment. And like there are many things that happen through the movie, but like it's one of those things like you leave and you're almost physically tired yeah. because you watch this movie. Uh, but it was great. It was a great movie. I think there are certain movies that have like certain reactions and like, like you know, that bring about certain reactions in yourself. And I think some of those like, like military movies, um, you know, like intentionally kind of bring a, a, a pride in your own country that you're like, I'm ready to go enlist right now. Right. And I don't want to make, you know, 
that seem like small or light of a decision to make because it's not like we have people in our congregation that serve faithfully and like have done multiple tours and we have like lieutenant colonels and we have um one-star generals and stuff like that but um like i think there's certain reactions that good movies produce um i just watched uh so i'm going to answer the question as well i just watched a movie called jojo rabbit have you seen that movie yet i haven't even heard of that oh yeah so um first off uh, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, it's a story about a boy who's somewhere between 10 and 13 um, in Nazi Germany, and he's involved with, like, the Hitler Youth Program, Hitler Youth Program, where, like, they're training them um, in, like, to be soldiers, and they're also, like, indoctrinating them with the fact that, like, Jews are monsters, and um, eventually, like, the allies, like the Russians and the Americans are like live in caves and all this kind of crazy stuff. And the kid um, being indoctrinated with this propaganda, like has a, uh, a like um, an imaginary friend and his imaginary friend is Hitler himself. And so it's almost like a satire at first for how co- crazy they made these like little kids think. Um, and it's kind of funny, but like it doesn't make a light of the fact that um, – the terrors of what took place at the same time. And I think to weigh both of those extremes is pretty crazy how they did that. And to come out on the other side where he, I mean, I don't want to give too much away of the story, but he eventually um, forms a relationship with this uh, younger girl who, um, just like a friend, friendly relationship with a younger girl who's a Jew and comes to realize that she's not a monster. And um, yeah, and, and really sees the lies for what they are. And it is just a really good movie. I mean, I'd recommend it to anybody. So, Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, have you seen the movie uh, Boy with the Striped Pajamas? Man, I haven't. I, I've heard that it's a huge tearjerker, but a great movie. Oh, my gosh. It's a killer. But, yeah, it, you know, some of that kind of reminds me of what you're talking about there. So I'll, I'll be sure to look that up. You said what's what's the name of it again? Joe Joe Rabbit. Yeah, it's, it's, Rabbit. it's unique. His name's uh, Joe or Jojo, and then they – have something at the very beginning where they nickname him Rabbit. So you just have to you have to check it out. So okay. yeah, well, uh, why don't you lead us into the the topic? Well, uh, last week we talked about the pitfalls of pragmatism, but this week we're going to be talking about um, issues um, of the Christian life, uh, and we're going to mainly talk about the importance of three things: the weekly gathering, uh, weekly growing, and weekly going. And so um, let's just start out by, let me ask you the question, uh, Trent, how, how important is the weekly gathering of the church? Like pr- what purpose does it serve and, and uh, what are the benefits of it? So I just happened to have read, uh, read uh, written something pertaining to the local church. So uh, I, I'm going to kind of go back to that a little bit. But um, what we see from the, the time where Jesus ascended to heaven and uh, and before he ascended, gave the uh, great commission to his disciples. Um, once they went out empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, churches were formed. Like, I mean, Acts 2, Peter preaches at Pentecost. Acts 2, churches are formed, right? And then throughout the New Testament, that is an assumption in the life of a believer. Like, they, they, the letters are to churches. Um, the letters are for churches to remain faithful. Um, and the book of Revelation, even the end of our New Testament canon, um, you know, the, the address is written to churches, right? Because to be a Christian is to be a part of a local expression of the body of Christ, right? And so we believe um, the Bible 
both teaches and assumes um, that a Christian should know the importance of being a part of that local expression of the body of Christ, right? It's, uh, I would even say it's, uh, it's God's, ve- it's a vehicle of God's design to display um, his, uh, his character, his holiness, right? That's why Paul is so concerned with the moral purity of the church in 1 Corinthians 5. It's to declare the goodness of the gospel, 1 Timothy 3, um, uh, says it's a pillar of truth and to also defend. So it's God's vehicle, of, or it's a vehicle of God's design to display, declare, and defend the gospel. Um, defend meaning First uh, uh, Timothy chapter three also talks about the church being a buttress of truth that not only holds high the gospel for all to see, but holds firm to the gospel so that it's passed down as the um, apostles teaching generation to generation. So. Um, I'm not, if I can continue on, I know I'm saying a lot here. Uh, I'll just spend a little bit more time talking about the gathering. Uh, a lot of times we might hear, um, you know, something like, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe it's necessary to be a part of an organized church. Um, and I would just respond to that by like recognizing that there are some that might be hurt from the local church. Um, but also Christ believes that the local church is necessary so much so in fact that he organized it and he gave specific commands. You cannot obey while in neglect of it, right? And he, in fact, he, he gifted you by his grace with its gathering, just as he gathered you in it by its grace. So it's organized by God, it's commanded by God, and it's a gift from God. And we can go to each one of those if you want to. Um, but yeah, that, that's small, short, short answer. Could be longer. So, so you mentioned there um, the fact that there are some people that have been hurt, but, but other than those people that have been hurt, like why, why, what are other reasons why people don't value the gathering of the church together? That's actually a really good question. Um, so this is going to sound very harsh, um, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll say two, a two-sided approach. One reason I think people don't value the local church is because they don't know what the Bible teaches about the local church, right? Like that might sound brash and rude, but I think it's just generally true. If you walk through the book of Timothy, um, you see the value, the importance, the priority of the local church. Um, however, um, and, and you can't neglect it when walking through First uh, Timothy, and, and you can't miss it when walking through First Timothy or really any part of the Bible. So I'm not just isolating First Timothy. However, um, so I think that would be first and, and foremost. But I think um, also people may neglect uh, the local church or may not recognize its value or importance um, because maybe some of the emphasis uh, that they have when considering the church is about being the universal church. You know, we're, we're all the church. And, and, and part of this, okay, I don't, I don't want to speak this whole time, right? But uh, we are very reactionary as people by nature. And so, you know, there was a time and place where most likely um, the church was so interlocked with the building itself that there was a teaching that became popular like, hey, we're, the church is not the building, it's, it's the people, right? And right. that probably became so prevalent to, to make people think that, well, that just means wherever you're at, you're the church. And that's not, that, that's true in a sense, um, but it's the church, the word itself being ecclesia used throughout the New Testament, right, assumes gathering. Like it is gathered together out from, like it's a set apart people out from the world gathered together. So, um, so yeah, and I don't want to neglect the universal church, um, the global church, but, um, yeah, the, the local church is very important to God. 
Yeah, because if if you don't have that that local expression of the the body of Christ, then you miss out on a lot of things. Right. Um, you know, you, you miss out number one on discipleship. Like you can be the member of the universal church, uh, the global body of Christ, but yet there's there's no discipleship. There's nobody pouring into you if you're not part of that visible local expression of a church, and also along with discipleship there's no discipline there's no one to keep you accountable so if you if you go astray from the lord if you decide to you know if you fall into sin in some way and um there's nobody to come after you there there's no pastor to uh, go after the sheep there's no mm-hmm. other believers that are that are caring for you and holding you accountable in those situations so like you could literally be adrift um for decades and and nobody would know or care because you're just part of the universal body of Christ yeah. and um and as a result of not being there you you really are not there there is something special and beneficial that you only get from gathering together um and so like what what do you see as some of the uh, benefits to um, the individual, and I don't want to make this consumeristic by sure. any means, um, but what are what are some of the benefits to people as they gather each week? Yeah, that's a, that's actually a really good question because y- you mentioned two, and I'll I'll mention a few more. You mentioned both discipling and discipline, and and really, you know, we would both agree that um, part of godly discipline must begin with proper disi- discipling, right? Sure. Um, yeah. So, first off. Um, it's, it's commanded by God real quick. And like Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, people were neglecting to gather, and so he tells them to gather, right? And in that same passage, um, when he talks about them gathering together, he says to love one another and stir them up with good works, eyes fixed on the fact that God is going to return. So one of the ways that we keep our eyes fixed on the fact that God will soon return is by being a part of a body of Christ that is really a picture of heaven in a war-torn world where we're fixed Fixing one another's eyes as we sing together, as we serve together, as we um, learn together, uh, we're doing something together. And it's not just a community or a club. It's like a um, we we are fixing one another's eyes and stirring one another's affections toward Jesus uh, to 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 encourage one another toward faithfulness. There's a few things I, I think too benefits um, upon your conversion, uh, uh, salvation, you are gifted with gifts from the Holy Spirit that you did not have prior to your salvation. Um, And those gifts we see in Scripture are to be used um, for the mutual edification or the benefit of other church members. Um, So like 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about these gifts, that they're given by God, that um, they're used uh, for God's glory and for mutual edification, for the good of others. Um, and so how can you use the gifts God's given you if you're never gathered together with the people God's gathered himself? Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think sometimes um, we are so isolated from one another, like we don't see the value of other people pouring into us and using those gifts that God's given for for our good. And so, yeah. you know, so many times in a church, we, I mean, I think, I think a lot of people are just negative by nature and not, I don't know if that's the right thing to say or not, but, but like some people are negative by nature. And so like they're maybe cynical in some ways about the church and, and, 
we're so consumeristic or so individualistic in our in our culture today we we have been ingrained with this whole idea of we can do this on our own and we're self-sustaining and and uh, we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and go on and all this stuff like we we lose that interdependence that's so necessary in the life of the church nobody uh, should be an island in christianity right. we all should have others that we rely on and, and count on and and you know you were you're talking there about about coming together and, and singing a minute ago I, to me that is one of the most valuable things that we do because whenever you come into a, a local body, uh, a local congregation, you not only hear the truth preached, but you hear the truth sung. Right. Is it sung or sang? I don't know. Which <laughs> sung. I think anyway, it's sung. <laughs> okay. And uh, uh, I have a good friend here, another pastor here in town, that um, he said something one time that has always stuck with me. He says, The doxology of one generation will be the theology of the next. And, you know, like what you're singing is reinforcing truth. So it's super important what you're singing in the gathering. But, um, you know, and, and sometimes you have people that come to the gathering and they don't sing, which I think is so unfortunate, not only for their own soul, because I think uh, joy is rightly, rightly manifested in expression. And so, like, I don't think it's fully, your joy is not fully consummated until you, until you express it to the Lord. Yeah, but uh, also you're doing something for the person sitting next to you. That's good. Um, you know, like that's constantly being re- that truth is constantly being reinforced in their ears. Not only as they sing, but as they hear the people next to them sing, and they're you know sometimes people walk into a congregation and they're discouraged and they're lonely and they're get had a hundred things happen that week that it's trying to bring them down, and they need that truth sung into their hearts yeah. and into their ears. Um, because they might not have it inside themselves to sing. So, so, so let's talk about church singing for a minute. So, I, I, because I think you're like just hitting something that I, I try to teach our students all the time. So Ephesians five nineteen um, ad- addresses exactly this, and it says what it means to be filled by the Spirit, and when you are filled by the Spirit, um, you should address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So a few things just in that passage real quick you see is um, we're making melody to the Lord, but we're doing that with one another, and we're doing that as we do it with one another to one another as well, because we're addressing one another in hymns and spiritual songs. So like you said, I need to see my brother in Christ who has just found out he has cancer praising God just like he needs to see me when I've just lost my job praising God, because that's an encouragement to both of us. No matter what we're going through, we're encouraged not only in singing what's on the screen, but hearing people sing together. Um, yeah, no, I think that's really, really good. And I think some, like, and, and, and practically that works its way out differently in every congregation based upon the convictions that a certain congregation has. So, um, I mean, I've heard of different people with convictions about singing where, hey, we're going to keep the lights on so that you can see one another sing. Um, others might, uh, uh, you know, see it in a different way where I, that's not necessarily necessary. Um, where, you know, the, the lights can be dimmed low, where you're making sure you focus well. Um, but what's important is singing is a part of the church. It always has been a part of the church. And uh, and it's a part of the church because it's a benefit to our soul. Yeah, definitely, 100%. And, you know, Ephesians gives another um, 
gives another purpose of the church, and that is in chapter 3, it talks about um, displaying the manifold wisdom of God. Um, you know, I think another reason the weekly gathering is so important is because it brings together people in the name of Christ because he has redeemed them and unified them that wouldn't otherwise necessarily ever come together. Uh, I can remember a time in my life when uh, I was in a small group of guys, and it was me, and at the time, it was before I went into ministry, I was uh, managing a Subway sandwich shop. And so you had a, re- a fast food restaurant guy, uh, a, a head football coach, a lawyer, and a, um, a realtor, uh, and, a, and a Boy Scout executive. And so, like, you know, no other place would these guys come together awesome. um, in unity. And, and more than that, I mean, you look in Ephesians, it talks about the mystery of the gospel had been revealed at that point, and, and it brought Jews and Gentiles together. Right. And, and these are not just different ethnicities. Like, these are people that hated one another. Yeah. Um, and so, so you, have, you have this um, great fellowship of love between people that, that, that used to hate one another, and, and that's only possible in Christ. And so um, you have all of those things that display to an outside world whenever we come together that Jesus is king and yeah. that he, he, he redeems us and brings unity. And so like, I think that is another extremely important thing that the church displays, and it's good for the soul. It's good for us to be together as brothers and dwell in unity. Yeah. And so it's, it's not only an outward expression, but also an inward benefit there. That's I, I can't say it better than that. Like I, I taught not too long ago on Ephesians 2 and the, the passage, part of the passage you're talking about in verses 11 through 22, I think. And um, yeah, like the church, as you said, is a diverse group of people, not divided like the culture because they're united in Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, once foreigners now made family, uh, foreigners to the covenants of promise and to uh, the promises of God, you know, without hope, with no God and now made a part of the family of God, you know, once strangers, uh, and now made saints. Right. So, um, I, I wrote something not long ago on, on the church and I was like to local church gathering, like consider this as a great gift of God. The local church gathering is made up of former foreigners made forever family by the blood of Christ who presently point one another to heaven and praise with one another as practice of what will forever follow in heaven. So what we do, like as we gather, is really uh, what we will do forever. And so if you don't like gathering with the church now, why would you enjoy it for all eternity, right? Uh, We get to do this. This isn't a, oh, man, like I have to come, right? Uh, You know, set my clock back or um, set my alarm or whatever it might be be like I get to gather this is what I look forward to every week um yeah yeah I think that's an important thing uh that you know like we this is a this is a privilege yeah uh you know people in other countries who you know only have one or two believers or they have to hide in order to gather would they just so desire to be together and they they value that fellowship, mm-hmm. uh, and I think we would do well to look to that example uh, that we would we would have that kind of desire as well. Hey, I think as we're talking about this, you know, we might be coming to a quicker close than we thought. Um, maybe it's good for us just to talk about the, the gathering 
uh, today. Okay. Because I still have a question for you um, that I think might uh, be, a, be a good maybe ending question. Uh, and then we can talk okay. about a couple fun things and maybe look forward next week to addressing some other things we might address um, just so we're within you know a, a decent time frame. But let me ask you, let me ask you this question. So at the forefront, I mentioned you know maybe a, a person who says, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe it's necessary to be part of an organized church. What about the person who says, you know, um, I don't want to be a part of a church because of all the bad it's done or because, you know, they're all just messed up or it's filled with hypocrites or, um, uh, you know, does, you know what I'm saying? Like, what about that? How would you answer that question? Because I'm sure maybe, you know, as a pastor, you've probably come across people who said similar things. Well, I think the easiest response to that is yes and amen. <laughs> you sure. know, all, we'll all of out. their, <laughs> all, all of those, uh, all of those claims are absolutely true, um, because what we have is we have a bunch of fallen people that Christ has redeemed, but there's still a process of sanctification that happens in the church, yeah. and uh, and and that's another benefit of the gathering is. You know, God uses other people in our lives to rub off the rough edges uh, in us, and so and to reveal things about us that we didn't know. I think it's one of the benefits of not only just the corporate gathering, but being in smaller groups together is is to um, let other people um, let God use other people to shape you, yeah. uh, because we all have a tendency to justify our own stuff, sure. and so you know. We will we will ignore things that other people can see in us, and we have to give them the the permission to be able to confront those things in our lives. But you know, if somebody says, "I don't want to be a part of the church because it's full of a bunch of hypocrites," well, at some level, everybody is hypocritical in their life, right? And and to to be hypocritical would mean saying one thing and doing another, and saying, "No, I'm not that way," um, <laughs> and. But like we can be genuine and truthful in saying, yes, we're, we're not perfect yet. God's still working on us and in our desires to be holy. But, you know, whenever you bring broken people into the same proximity, conflict inevitably is going to happen. And I tell our church that all the time is like we shouldn't be surprised when conflict happens in the church because it's just going to. Right. Um, the, the thing we have to realize and the thing we, we need to do is to reconcile biblically and restore one another biblically and you know just deal with that conflict in a biblical way because there's there's things in the bible that show us how to deal with conflict you know uh, matthew 18 if your brother sins against you go to him you know and like so many times we're so isolated in culture today um due to social media and other things like we don't like conflict we want to avoid it at all costs, and because we live in a social media world, we don't even know how to, we don't even know how to talk to one another anymore. Yeah, and so, so um, you know, I think we can just be honest about those accusations about there being hypocrites in the church. We're not perfect people. Um, we're gonna mess up. Um, we have to forgive one another, and we have to move on. Uh, we we should never we should never just willy nilly. Um, you know, say it doesn't matter. I'm going to hurt people, so I'm just going to do whatever I want. That's not the answer either. Right. Like in the life of the church, we're striving to be more Christ-like and be more holy, and so um, we want to treat others the way Christ would treat them and the way He's treated us. 
but inevitably we're not going to do that rightly. And so we just, you know, we, uh, we ask for forgiveness and we try to move on and do better next time with the power of the Holy Spirit because we're not going to do better under our own power. So. Yeah, I'm going to say one more thing real quick uh, sure. to that because you might, you just kind of brought something to my mind that I think might be interesting. You know, I think the Bible tells us that um, we are as the local church and as believers in general supposed to look distinct from the world, right? I mean, you look at Romans 12, you look at Philippians 2, um, not to conform to the pattern of the world, right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, uh, to be distinct in the way that we don't argue and complain, though we know that we will argue and complain, right? Um, do you think in the future, um, like because of the trajectory of society and culture becoming a lot more isolated? Um, I mean, like, for example, like I can order pizza, um, uh, or order really any food right now on Uber Eats while watching a movie on Netflix that I've picked, um, not having to leave the comfort of my own couch and do whatever I want, basically play a game, watch a movie, eat a pizza, everything, never leaving once my couch, except maybe to go to the door, right? I don't have to get my card out or get find cash. It's all done on my phone. Um, and, and you see some churches somewhat catering to that consumerism mentality, um, you know, uh, do you think one of the things that might mark us out as distinct in a world that is increasingly becoming isolated is just gathering in general? <laughs> like, like, do you think uh, amidst a world filled with conflict and bent on isolation that gathering and singing together might be something that separates us in some ways from the normative things in the culture? Well, you know, as long as the coronavirus doesn't get us, I think we'll be all right. Well, um, <laughs> prayer, prayerfully, no. prayerfully, yeah. um, it it won't take us, uh, you know, and yeah. it won't hurt our people. Uh, but at the same time, and not to get off on this, you know, tangent, but, you know, I think things like this, you know, God has reasons for the things he allows and the things he does. And um, it does give us and all our people a reason to remember the brevity of life. But Yeah, um, oh, for sure. So what were yeah, you saying? We even so? had people uh, giving a chicken wing yesterday instead of shaking hands, you know, just yep. bumping elbows. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but you know, yeah, I definitely think that that gathering together and people people are starved for relationships. Yeah, you know that they want that even if they don't cognitively understand that they want that, um, because God created us for relationships. And I heard somebody say one time that um, that God is enough, but he was he was never meant to be enough and that sounds i, I, don't, I don't think i said that right but um, <laughs> god god is a, god is enough for us but he created us for relationships with other people is what yeah. i'm trying to get at That's good. and so um you know if 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 we're to reflect who god is god is fellowship in the godhead because it's father son and holy spirit and they're in perfect fellowship all the time and as his church like we're supposed to reflect who he is and so we come into this fellowship and people are starved for relationships genuine relationships and so um if if we can provide something that they naturally crave and again i don't i don't want this to sound consumeristic it's just something that god has put in them that that everybody needs and so we can't isolate ourselves and whenever we come together in that fellowship i believe that will be attractive to other people and and why do these people get together and why do they fellowship and why do they love one another and, and all of these things. And I think that's something that would be attractive and set us apart. Yeah. Hey, let me end with this admonition before, you know, we might have a couple other quick lighthearted things. 
um, you know, maybe your question is still, um, and I don't know how, maybe that, that question could still be out there. Maybe the question is still, why, why should I be a part of a church if every church is, is messed up? There, there's two reactions you can have to that. You can either isolate yourself or you can go actually help that church, right? And not that the church depends on you. It, 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 it doesn't, and sometimes we need to know that, um, but it certainly um, exists for your benefit, and you've been gifted to serve in that church. And so use the gifts God's given you for the benefit of the church rather than just saying by the church and like by Felicia and not being a part of it, right? Um, right. So, so use the gifts God's given you because even with flaws in mind, I mean, open the New Testament, every church has its own flaws. Um, you know, uh, even the, the good ones even ha- have flaws recognize that God still commanded us to be a part of it, um, and he didn't do so so that we'd be burdened by it, but that it would be a blessing to us. So, um, you know, even with its and flaws... Th- Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. I think one thing we're assuming here is that, that we're all talking about the same thing. Um, and you and I are talking about the same thing, but those who are listening, like it, it might be beneficial for us at some point to say, all right, what is a biblically-based church? Yeah. Because not, not every church is going to meet those criteria. And so it's important to know what to look for as well. So it's not, it's not just gather in any church. It's gather in a church that conforms to the biblical standard of what a church is supposed to be. And so, um, well, I think so you just we'll look at that someday. Yeah, I think you just told us what our next topic is. <laughs> right, so, well, hey, so be a part of a church next week. Uh, let us tell you uh, or talk to you about what that church might be. So, so don't, maybe don't run to a church. Maybe don't run too fast to the first one you find. Um, so, that, that calls itself church. Unless you're in Tampa or Batesville, and then there's two we can <laughs> recommend. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Hey, any any so, just fun questions you got at the end? Uh, what are you teaching yeah. through right now? What am I teaching through? Actually, uh, we've just done, I uh, mentioned last week, this Who's Your One campaign. So I've been focusing on the Gospels. And um, yesterday I uh, preached uh, the parable of the sower. And uh, just, you know, that was it was a hard one to prepare. I'll just tell you right now. Talks a lot. Uh, talks in there about divine sovereignty and a man's responsibility and those kind of things, how they... Uh, work together. I think so, at some level it's beyond our comprehension, uh, but at the same time, both revealed and got to hold that intention uh, uh, just the way Scripture does. And so, um, so I've enjoyed just preaching different uh, different passages out of the Gospels. But I'm getting ready to head in next week to uh, uh, step by step through the Book of Joshua um, and looking at that conquest of the land and and how God had uh, blessed them by bringing them into the Promised Land. That's cool. And so uh, what are you going through? Yeah, so we've been doing a uh, what will eventually be like a year and a half to two-year study of Luke with our student ministry on Wednesday nights. Mm. But the way that we're doing that is I've, I've grouped it into five parts. Uh, and so we're doing like part one of Luke, and then we'll do a, a series like we just finished of First John, which is a little bit shorter. And then we're going in Luke part two right now, so I'm in Luke 5. Uh, this week, so yeah, we just we just talked about um, Jesus's authority over demons and diseases. Then I talked about Jesus calling his disciples, and now we're Jesus healing the leper this Wednesday night. So, um, just a, one of my favorite stories actually to teach on about how this leper had to probably scream leper out every t- every time he was in uh, and around people. And so he's probably running to Jesus, screaming leper, people throwing rocks at him, telling him to get away. And instead of running him off, as he's running to him, Jesus welcomes him and not only speaks to him, but touches him. 
And so it's just this awesome moment where you think Jesus would be infected by the sickness uh, and rather um, tells the sickness to leave. Uh, and then he, and he, of course, tells him to show, that, show it to the high priest who probably had some kind of idea of who the man was as a proof. So very cool text. Uh, that's what we're that's walking rough. through. Yeah. So uh, any, any closing questions? Well, yeah, um, as we're uh, as we're closing out today, as we're signing off, I want you to uh, I'm going to encourage you if you're listening to this to go and give us a five star review. And I want you to put a, an well, answer we're not to interested. this question. Hold on. Let me just go back to that. We're not interested in your four star review. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> we kidding. definitely need a five star review <laughs> uh, because that's funny. We want people to find us and that's the way they find us. And so uh, go give us that five star review and leave your answer to this question in the comments. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Thank you.